trade deadline favorites and Beth Moens, ESPN play-by-play, joins the show. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga. On the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz and MLS 3112 Equal Housing Lender. By the time you're listening to this, and look, I'm okay if you're listening to it after the deadline, but if you see the notification and you click on it, you download the podcast, about 24 hours out to the trade deadline. Ends Thursday at 1 o'clock Mountain Time, and you're listening to the reports You're watching the television shows. You're watching the deadline specials. And so, as a result, I wanted to give you my favorite trade deadline terms. Much like stave only comes during playoff time, when the team staves off elimination, I want to give you my top four favorite terms of the deadline. So let's start out the music. Let's have some fun. My favorite terms. Number one. Moves the needle. As in, Yusuf Nurkic doesn't move the needle for the Pelicans. C.J. McCollum does. What kind of needle are we talking about? Is it the one that I'm advocating for or the one that some people aren't? If we're talking about that trade, doesn't move the needle for me. With a couple of teams battling for the play-in, seems pretty desperate trying to figure out where they're going. Moves the needle? Move the needle for you? That's one. Another one that I appreciate during trade deadline time. Package. As in, Sacramento offered the best package for DeMontis Sabonis. Now this one would make a whole lot more sense if players included in a trade are delivered in actual packages, but trade packages include players, include draft picks. These don't come in the mail. And speaking specifically about the one that happened... We may have overreacted with the way that we treat Tyrese Halliburton, but the consensus nailed it. Sacramento doing something weird? Who's shocked? I'm not. And that's even with the knowledge of a couple of guys who lead their front office, who I like, Imani McNair and Wes Wilcox. Still puzzling to get rid of a player who you had for a little over a year and a half in Tyrese Halliburton and going with De'Aaron Fox instead. After... You drafted another guard last year. It's just clear mismanagement. It's weird. I don't understand it. But from Indiana's perspective, you get Tyrese Halliburton for Rick Carlisle. Sign me up. Finally, I get a little bit of luck at why I predicted Carlisle for coach of the year. Might make me look smart. Third, sweetener. As in James Harden for Ben Simmons? I think Philly needs to add a sweetener. So, much like the MVP conversation, who, shout out, Zach Harper and Amin Hassan, they create the metaphorical bar where MVPs are dominating the conversation and people are just trying to butt in to get into the conversation. Sweetener makes me think that Sean Marks and Daryl Morey are meeting at a diner for one last job. And Morey sitting there, Marks... He's got some coffee, and for this trade, he needs a little bit more sweetener. Is It gives trades collegial feel, Michael Mann feel, friendly feel. If we're almost there, I just need a little more sweetener. The latest between these two is, if this happens, it'll change the way that the East looks. 
And I think it makes sense for Brooklyn. Seeing them Friday, they looked absolutely listless. They looked a shell of themselves from the team that everybody expects to compete for a championship. They could keep falling. And so if they get Ben Simmons, it absolutely helps them. And he didn't get a chance to see Harden, but Harden hasn't looked right this year. Is he the best player you could get for Ben Simmons? Maybe, but he'll need a sweetener. And then fourth, league sources. As in, Jazz are active leading up to the deadline, according to league sources. Are there any other kind? And as the deadline approaches, Jazz needs are pretty obvious. We've gone over it. Countless of guests. But for those of you just joining us, it's wing defense, it's perimeter defense, it's obvious. A random out-of-towner from L.A. could tell you the obvious. You're going to be cooking random things in the trade machine to realize what they need. This group looked exasperated in January. And with the deadline approaching, this would be the time to act. But I will say, like I read something pretty interesting over at The Ringer, and it was detailing how GMs or the basketball decision makers, they act towards the deadline. Something popped up with Danny Ainge. He has a moniker, Trader Danny. Everybody knows it. Quick to move, but not so fast. Let me read it to you, because as much as he gets that name, it might be on his past accomplishments and past moves. This is what the ringer said. From 2016 to 2020, Ainge completed only one in-season trade, and it was swapping Jabari Bird for a heavily protected second rounder in 2019 which doesn't quite register as a blockbuster. And this goes back to what I spoke to with Ryan McDonough. It's not going to be seismic. It's going to be something around the fringes, around the edges, proving. And they have now that Joe Ingles contract that can be moved since it's expiring, and he can move money around, a la Ricky Rubio, another injured player who is dealt when he goes from Cleveland to Indiana. And even if he is traded... He can still return to the Jazz, understanding the business of it all. He can be included as a piece, as a part of a package, draft picks, and a sweetener. And ultimately, it'll be up to other teams to see if that moves the needle. Clock's ticking. Trade deadline ends Thursday at 1. For authentic Utah Jazz player gear, including jersey, shorts, warm-ups, and more, visit fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. That's fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Beth Moens coming up on the show. She's on tonight's call. Women-led crew for Jazz Warriors on ESPN. People behind the scenes, people in front of the scenes. She's going to be alongside Doris Burke, Lisa Salters on the sidelines, camera people, producers, directors. It's going to be women-led. We talked about that. She's been very kind with her time with me since I met her at Syracuse. But we had to start with the little fact-finding mission when Holly Rowe came on this very program. I asked about Beth. She said that they were around each other when she got the news that she'd be joining the Jazz. So enjoy the Big J journalism with Beth Mowens. i got to follow up on something that Holly Rowe told us on the podcast a couple of months ago. She said, so fact check this for me. She said, you were there when she got the call 
about joining the Utah Jazz as an analyst and in her role with the team. Mm-hmm. Fact check that. Were you there? I, that that is that is an accurate statement from Holly Rowe, who never uh, never says anything that she truly doesn't believe is factual. <laughs> but you you know if if your mother tells you she loves you, find another source. Y- yes, yes. <laughs> How elated was she when she got the call? Tell us the emotions. You, you guys all know. I mean, she's she's Utah through and through, and and Salt Lake through and through, and so. Uh, it, what a what a moment it was for her, and just uh, thrilled to see the excitement that she had. And, and I think for a lot of us, is if you're fortunate enough to be in this business for for a long time, um, there's always something really cool about a new adventure, and especially a new adventure in in your home in a place you're so familiar with. Um, I, I think that probably was um, the thing that put it over the top for Holly, not only to be a part of the NBA, but to be a part of it in, in her hometown and with her hometown team. Really, really great time. Well, it's great for the fans to have that connection with her every time that there's mm-hmm. a Utah football game and she's she's with the, the big A crew, you know, that the Utes out there watching are so proud of her. And, and so it's good to see that full circle moment with mm-hmm. her back in the league. Yeah, yeah, and looking forward, I'm I'm pretty sure they're calling the game on Wednesday as well. So yep. um, it's always a pleasure to spend a little time with Holly and and uh, and the guys and and see her courtside. It's going to be going to be a really big night, and it should be an awful lot of fun. I've, I've known Doris and and Lisa for a long time, and so to all get together and with all the women that are working behind the scenes too, um, and and to have it Jazz and Warriors, uh, you know. Big opportunity for the Jazz, I think, to make a statement this um, this weekend and into next week with Brooklyn and Golden State, and and a chance to kind of come out the other end of, of what's been, um, you know, a, a rough stretch in January. You alluded to it. The women-led production from ESPN includes you, the goat Doris Burke as the analyst, and Lisa Salters on the sideline. How much pride do you have in in ESPN giving a big game? with uh, a couple of teams that are at the top of the Western conference. Well, I think the biggest aspect of all of this is that there are a lot of women that have been around the NBA and, and have been, you know, working a long time at ESPN that have earned the opportunity to work on telecasts like this. And I think what's unique is they just decided, Hey, let's get all, you know, all the women that we have on the NBA together and in the same building and on the same night and have a chance to, to work the game is, is pretty special. But, um, you know, it's, it's producers and directors and camera people and, and ops people that have all been around the NBA and, and, and working this gig for a while. And it'll, it'll be fun to see a lot of familiar faces. How has the foray for you been into the NBA space? Because people mm-hmm. know you from college football, from softball, from all the sports that you do previously now getting to the nba with espn it's it's i'm sure it's different there's so many numbers so many great journalists covering this league how do you even sift through it if you're a play-by-play broadcaster just looking for information (laughs) where where did you start with this project how did it all come together well i i call that process foraging and you're you're just out there sort of gathering and initially all the information and and sort of sifting through all the different sources that you may be able to use and resources that you may be able to use to gather the information that, that you want and that you think are important. Um, you know, in terms of putting together a game board and to doing 
uh, preparation. It's not a whole lot different, whether it's a football, a baseball, a softball, a basketball game. You kind of have your way of doing things and your way of organizing things. I think probably the biggest adjustment in, in working in the NBA and anytime you start working with a new league or a new group of people is kind of finding out the mechanics behind the scenes of, you know, when, when do you show up? What can you watch? Where, when do you talk to coaches or what's the availability of players and things like that? And, and obviously with COVID um, and and the um, precautions that everybody is taking, you know, that really puts a limit on access. So you kind of, sort of follow along with what your coworkers are doing and sort of learn how to, um, you know, handle uh, sort of the um, behind the scenes ways of gathering information and talking to people and, and you just kind of go with it. Um, but, but the actual getting ready and then sitting down and calling it, I mean, the language of the game is, as you know, um, similar to any level of basketball. It, it just happens to be at a much faster pace and a, at a much higher altitude when you're dealing with the NBA. <laughs> well, and, and literally with Salt Lake City. Uh, exactly. Higher altitude. Exactly. But what, what, what is the speed difference? What have, you, what have you just gathered in your first couple games uh, of doing NBA? You already did a Utah game with the, the Christmas showcase against yeah. the, the Mavericks. What have you learned from the difference between college to now now even pro? Because I'm sure th- this question goes a long way when it comes to draft people on that end too. I'm sure for you, yeah. even as a broadcaster, it's been something that you picked up on. It's uh, the, the one thing about the NBA is, is there is a familiarity built in. Um, I, I think the college game has changed so much in recent years with, you know, the one and dones and the transfer portals. And there are there are new guys all over the place that you, you probably haven't seen before the NBA, you know, you, you kind of know the top eight or 10 guys in the rotation before you even sit down to, to work on the game boards. So in in that regard, it's, it's been kind of, um, you know, it's been fun to catch up on guys that maybe you haven't seen in, in a while, but you recognize them and you know them from a previous stop or, you know, them from their younger days. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure most fans uh, can relate to this is don't look away from the court. Don't look down or you're going to miss something. And so I think that's the fun part of, of the NBA is know your names and numbers before you walk into the gym so that you can call a, a clean game and make it very conversational and really um, not only give your professional perspective, but I, I think there are moments uh, that we see in every game um, where you can sort of let your fan flag fly a little bit too on, on how you call the game and how you call the big plays um, that, that can make it a lot of fun as well. And, and to be able to play off of Doris, who I've known, you know, we were calling games back when we were first starting out together. So that, that's going to be great. Who were those first players that got you into basketball? Because if I remember correctly, you're also a basketball player growing up, right? Yeah. So my dad was a high school coach and I I grew up with three brothers in the house and uh, we would, you know, pile back in those days, you know, 10 or 12 kids from the neighborhood into the back of the station wagon and uh, and off we'd go to our high school had two gyms. So while my dad's practice was going on in one gym, we would have our wiffle ball bats and our Nerf uh, footballs and a basketball and we would just play sports for hours on end. in in the other gym. And so basketball is kind of how I grew up and, and the strategy of the game and the language of the game has always been second nature. And I've I've always felt that, uh, you know, I like to say my parents raised a point guard 
And so that's kind of the vision, uh, the court vision, if you will, that I, I bring to the game as a broadcaster as well. And I, I think that's always been advantageous. And, and, and Doris and I have had conversations about this in the past. She too is a, is a former point guard. So having that base of knowledge before you even, you know, worry about calling the game, I, I think is a big boost when it comes to basketball and, and having played it. Uh, obviously, growing up in Syracuse, New York, um, I was coming of age when Pearl Washington and Sherman Douglas were running the point. So those were kind of my guys growing up with no pro team around. Um, I, I drifted towards Dr. J and the Sixers and, and Mo Cheek is, is always um, near the top of my favorite point guard list. And, you know, I think like a lot of people in, in the 80s, it was Bird and Magic and then into Michael Jordan and and, uh, you know, Carl and Stockton and, and those guys and, and Charles Barkley. So that's kind of my progression, if you will, um, along the NBA. And now to watch, you know, the first and, and um, forehand, you know, guys like um, Spider and guys like Steph Curry that are sort of the new wave and the next generation of superstars and Hall of Famers. Now, let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Where do you start out preparing for a jazz game? Because really, I mean, last time that the team was whole, it was that game on Christmas with mm -hmm. with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside was available. Everybody was there. Uh, where do you start now where we've had a month where they've gone through a lull and then now they're starting to get their guys back? Yeah. So that, the other thing, too, that I've, I've picked up uh, over the course of uh, doing more and more pro sports is it's such a long season. And you go on this roller coaster ride of ups and downs for, for most teams. Anyways, there are highs and lows. And and so, you know, we'll probably talk about uh, December. I think it was the best record in the league. And they had avoided all the pitfalls that other teams were falling into. And then, of course, January. Um, it seemed like all the adversity came at once, the tough stretch in the schedule, the, you know, the first um, dealings with the health and safety protocols and the injuries. And then obviously um, losing Joe is, is a, a big blow. So we'll probably talk about what they're capable of, where they were when they were all together at full strength. We'll talk about, you know, how you overcome uh, a rough patch like January. Obviously, we're on the cusp next Wednesday of the trade deadline, so there may be some breaking news that we would have to be prepared to deal with. We're also, you know, I, I, I would say a stone's throw away from All-Star Weekend. So, you know, we can uh, talk about Donovan and talk about Rudy and, and moving forward with the Jazz. You know, I, can they catch Phoenix? Probably not, but now you're starting to put yourself into a a position for, you know, it's, it's still at least one of those top four seeds that you want to fight for down the stretch. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Doris can help steer us into that discussion of how they not only maintain, but again, start to elevate uh, their level of play when they get back to hundred percent. What impressed you in person 
being able to watch uh, Donovan Mitchell operating and and seeing his offensive game. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the ball, you see Rudy Gobert controlling the paint as a as a defensive player of the year. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that you come to respect, you know, watching the NBA as well as how guys continue to improve, how they have to work uh, on their game you know, by themselves or with other players and assistant coaches, because there's just not a lot of practice time over the course of the season, how they have to put in the work in the off season. And you look at what Rudy has been able to develop himself into is fabulous, you know, a perennial all-star. You look at a guy like Donovan Mitchell, you weren't sure, uh, you know, what kind of impact he might have when he came out of college, you, you had high hopes that he, and, and he had a high ceiling and to see him sort of develop that, um, ability to turn himself into an all-star year in and year out has been fun to watch. I, I think the thing, you know, I was sitting next to Richard Jefferson calling that Christmas game and guys are still, you know, Richard is still young enough that he, he was around a lot of them and playing with them and against them. And it, it was fun to watch Donovan. He was mic'd up for that game. And it was literally a running commentary throughout the course of the night with him and Richard that I, I kind of got to listen in on. And it was fabulous to, see a guy that was having so much fun um, playing a game that he obviously loves a great deal for an organization that he loves. And, and I I think that's probably going to be one of the big things JP in the second half of the season is they have to own their home court the way they did last year. And they have to get back to making that a dominant, you know, home court, I think throughout the second half of the season to um, start picking up some momentum. They have lost more home games this yeah. year than they did all of last season when mm-hmm. they were the number one team in the Western Conference. How is that sitting next to Richard when he has a controversial opinion like Stockton getting a little goosed numbers when it comes to his assist hopes? <laughs> did did someone I, just immediately try to take the mic away from him right when he you starts know what? going into it? It's- it's one of those things where, uh, you know, he, he actually, he was, a, he, he wanted to get into that. That was one I of know. the things that, that he talked about during the commercial break. He's like, all right, I think I'm going to go here. And so as, as a play-by-play announcer, you know, one of our jobs is to try our best to get the opinion of our analyst out there and, and get him talking a little bit. And, um, you know, if it may be controversial to the folks uh, watching at home, then so be it. And, and I, I think what, I love to do in those kind of moments, whether it's Richard, uh, you know, Jeff Van Gundy uh, got after Oklahoma City a little bit in, in one of the earlier games that I did. And and you, you got to have fun with it. You got to you got to poke and prod a little bit and uh, and have a good laugh about it and uh, see how far they're, they're going to take it. And and I'm sure Richard was hearing it throughout the rest of the night on social media and, and into the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> but he loves it. He's he's Hulk Hogan cupping his oh, ear. Yeah. He he wants to get that attention of, hey, I got a scalding one on, on the broadcast today. <laughs> and that's what makes him good. That's what makes him oh. a, a good good analyst. Yeah. He, he gives an emotion for, for the viewer to have. You know, and and – it, at their at their best, you know, guys like that, they'll start a conversation. That there were, some, yeah, I'm sure there were some, some interesting talk going back and forth as a result um, of, of bringing that up and and the conversation surrounding some of those hot takes and um, you know just kind of I, I think fun as fans uh, to be a part of that kind of conversation. Steph Curry, he was playing at an MVP level 
earlier this year. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of mirrored what happened with the Jazz, where he's gone through a little bit of a lull. Yeah. But seeing where the, the Warriors have been and what was expected of them, did you have these expectations that they'd be back to this form where they're in the top three of the Western Conference? I, I really did because I I really loved the, what Andre Iguodala brought to that team uh, before he left and now comes back. I, I, I think we're starting to recognize uh, more and more and appreciate just how much Draymond Green affects things on the defensive side of the ball, which without Draymond, that's still a bit of an issue for Golden State. It was last night with Sacramento shooting over 50%. Um, but I, I think anytime Steph's in the game, and anytime you bring back a talent like Clay Thompson, I think probably that was the biggest um, question mark was just how good could Clay be and for how long. I, I think that w- what we saw against Sacramento is, you know, for 20, 25 minutes, he can be as good as the old Clay. And we'll see if he can continue to stretch those minutes out over the course of the season. And um, probably what has uh, been. Um, I, I guess the biggest thing that we've discovered about Golden State is some of those other guys. You know, Jordan Poole has picked up his game. Andrew Wiggins has been huge. Um, and, and Kevon Looney, you know, they, they all can kind of bring something different. Otto Porter shooting it well. And, and boy, I'm, I'd be real concerned other teams in the West at just how good Jonathan Kaminga is going to be when he turns 21, which still isn't, you know, for another two or three years. So, uh I, I assume they would be um, this good, and, and I, I'm excited to, you know, when we move into playoff time uh, to see, you know, how the Jazz fare against a, a Golden State or a Phoenix or even a Memphis, you know, over the course of a four-game series, uh, you know, you know seven-game series um, that, that, that things will play out. You mentioned Memphis. I've, I've got a – if you were on a John Morant game – that's got to be a play-by-play person's dream with yeah. how many how many highlight reel things that he can do, whether it's on the defensive end, catching the ball in midair mm-hmm. on a block against LeBron or dunking the basketball. Do you are those the players that really bring it up up to you as a as a play-by-play announcer? That's a thesaurus game for sure. You break out the thesaurus before the game so you can come up with a lot of different ways to say elevate or spin or ridiculous. Um, he, he is such a fun talent and such a treat to watch. And, and really, you know, one of those guys, something he does every game seems to surprise you just the way, um, that, that he is able to use his athleticism, the way he sees the floor. I mean, some of his passes, uh, watching him the other night at the garden, uh, you know, those were crazy good. And so I I think we're, we're coming to appreciate just how many different ways he can affect the game and, and really how many different ways he can elevate his teammates, uh, you know, the whole chimney and, and the smoke reference uh, post game was was world class. <laughs> he's a play by play person's dream. He's a beat writer's dream. He's mm-hmm. a sideline reporter's dream. He's just a dream for an any person working in the NBA yeah. and NBA fans. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Like. And I, I think the, you know, the all-star game is going to be, you know, even better with guys like him around. Absolutely. Can't wait to see him in Cleveland. We'll leave on this. What does Chelsea do with Christian Pulisic? Boy, you know, he seems to have an impact, uh, you know, as soon as he steps on the field for Team USA, um, like he did the other night. So, you know, I, I was excited even even when they were struggling a bit with the homegrown talent last year and some of the new young talent that they brought in. And then, 
you know, there, there was a move to bring in big names for this year and gosh, they're stockpiled with, with guys and still trying uh, JP to figure out the chemistry and to figure out how to use everybody correctly. And I, I certainly hope that Christian can stay there and find a spot in that lineup. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those places like a Liverpool and a United and a city where you're constantly bringing in guys to compete for, for jobs. And um, I, I, I hope Christian starts to feel, if not already close to 100% physically with all that he's been through and really kind of find the joy and bring the joy to Chelsea that he seems to have with Team USA. Got to get him good. up. Got to get him up front, though. Got to get him in that le- on that left side attacking. He needs to be playing in his rightful position, in yep. in his best position, which is right there on the left side. <laughs> but that's just a couple of, of people watching. Uh, that's on a, the it, it, don't even get me started with Reese James and, and uh, Chili being out. That's that's a whole <laughs> other problem. But uh, hopefully soon, back to a hundred percent. I love it because you're getting animated about it. Take me inside watching watching a 90 minutes of Chelsea with Beth Mullins. Oh, there may be a few swear words dropped uh, <laughs> at the television. There there may be some tense moments. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, if you follow Chelsea at all, you know they have uh, had issues holding on to late leads. So nothing is ever safe even in the 95th minute. So, uh, but it, it's just, I, I love, you know, Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings early. Uh, NBC has been, done just an incredible job with their Premier League coverage, and and hopefully we're right back in. You know, I don't know about the uh, I don't know about the Premier League, but you know, still holding that Champions League title. So, till somebody takes it away. A happy blue, Beth Bowens <laughs> on UtahJazz.com. Round ball roundup. She will be on the call for Jazz Warriors on Wednesday. Beth, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you.